0: Hey, hey, okay, so you guys know that I've moved my platform over to Patreon and that's patreon.com slash jamieglowacki. So, everything is moved there. That's where I'm now housing all my parenting content. For a dollar a month, you can access all the episodes of my podcast, but no worries if you don't want to do any financial commitment at all. We'll continue to release selected episodes here on your favorite listening platform. And just so you know, I also put up free public posts and mini podcasts on that Patreon page. So all you have to do is head over to that main page, patreon.com/jamieglowacki, and you can see my free public posts and mini podcasts. Head over there to check it all out. And now onto today's show. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh crap, I love my toddler, but holy fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F bomb a lot.
1: Hey, hey, you guys. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited because today I have Dr. Stephanie Rimka. She runs Body and Brain Solutions. I love her on Instagram, and I was so thrilled when she agreed to be on my show and inform you guys a little bit more. So one of the things we're really going to dive into today is sauna, red light, and cool therapy. And I know I talked a lot about that with you guys but Dr. Rimka actually knows the science behind it, which I don't. You know me; I'm like, I don't know. Make me feel good. I'll do it. Dr. Rimka, why don't you introduce yourself? Because I love your bio, but I would love for you to tell my people what you're all about. Sure. Thanks, Jamie, for having me.
2: This is the part I think most of us hate doing: is talking about ourselves, and nobody likes giving their bio, right? But in general, who I am is I've run a private practice, seeing patients for over 20 years, and I focus on using a variety of natural therapies, including what might be categorized as biohacks, even though they're not, they're brain technology-based um, devices focusing on uh, electromagnetic and light frequencies to alter the brain structure and function and return normal function to it. And so that gets applied particularly in the mental health landscape. So I specialize in autism, ADHD, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, schizophrenia, schizoaffective, even dissociative identity issues, bipolar, Alzheimer's, seizures, stroke, traumatic brain injury, anything that the brain, if it's dysregulated, whether that's from nutrition, birth trauma, any kind of trauma, psychological or physical, and if I can restore function to it through a variety of modalities, that's what I specialize in. And so I've been doing that with uh, children and adults for roughly 20 years. And it stems from just a journey of my own personal life and who who I love and care about and what they've been diagnosed with. And therefore, what I became obsessed with figuring out how to help.
1: Oh, my God, that's so crazy. I feel like I could talk to you for nine hours. But instead, I would go to your website. (laughs) Okay, so cool. So one of the things that I love about you is you're delving into cold plunging, which I know is fairly recent. And you guys, you got to go to her stories and see. It's hilarious because I feel like in the, like you said, the biohacking space, this cold plunge, steam, sauna, infrared lights, red light therapy. I feel like it's really a lot of men. It's male heavy. And it's this like, just fuck it. Just don't worry about your feelings. Just do it. And I love how you've started slow on your cold plunge. You're like, uh-uh, I'm starting at 60 degrees and we're going to bring it down slowly. <laughs> oh no, honey, I started at 80. 80 was shocking to my system. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like um, as women in the health space, it's dominated by men in that, go harder, go faster, yeah. just do it. I'm just going to step in and let you know a little bit about my journey with the cold plunge. So I started doing obstacle course racing four years ago and I was in the middle of a Tough Mudder. I live in New England, so it's already in April. You're going to do a mountain lake, and it's going to be freezing. We had an ice plunge, and then the temperature dropped 17 degrees. My lips turned blue. I couldn't do any um, pull-ups because my hands were numb, and I was so mad that I failed some obstacles because of cold. It seemed like such a stupid thing. So I got home, and I started dipping my hands in ice to do pull-ups, and then then I got into Wim Hof, and Wim Hof breathing, and then cold showers, and cold baths. And now I jump in ocean lakes. I haven't quite managed the cold plunge the way you have, but then that led me into sauna and then red light therapy. I blew out my knee last August and I've been doing red light therapy on it. And it's amazing. What is your favorite out of this? To me, the sauna, the cold plunge and the red light all go together. Is that sort of a trio that is very impactful? They certainly do not have to go together
2: by any means. You know, because I don't want anybody to think you have to have all three or do all three to get benefit. There, you have very distinct and unique benefits. Some of those benefits sound the same, but the physiological mechanism is very different. So you're healing different things and using a different energetic property. I mean, although all heat is actually all light is actually heat, and all heat is actually light. It is a little bit different to extract light frequencies and red light. Panels or cold laser or whatever mechanism, right? An LED panel is not the sun. The sunlight is where all the light waves are, right? That is the most potent healer we have. But we can extract some of those waves and turn it into a cold laser, right? So they're, they're, they do have different mechanisms. In general, the main word we're looking at is hormesis. Hormesis is the physiological concept of putting a stressor on the body, but a stress that actually makes you better. So Stress in the right dose is a very potent medicine. It's a potent healer. We need it. If we didn't get certain stress, we would never respond, adapt, and grow and get better. But as you know, in, in dealing with parents, it, you know your target market that you're supporting, having chronic, unrelenting stress that interferes with normal activities such as pleasure with your child or, or your spouse or the ability to sleep and the ability to stop, you know, obsessive thinking, well that's a very different story, right? So that's damaging type of stress. So heat is a type of hormetic stress, cold is a type of hormetic stress, fasting is a hormetic stress, exercise is a hormetic stress, certain foods are microdosing poisons that cause a, a hormetic stress. Certain biohacking drugs. That's what they do. Metformin is very big in the biohacking longevity world. It's because it's a micro dose of a poison to a mitochondria that causes a later upregulation, up right? So, all that to say, you expose yourself to extreme heat so you can adapt and respond later in a stronger way. You ex- expose yourself to extreme cold to adapt and respond in a better way. Red light isn't exactly hormetic stress. It can be seen that way in some ways by the mitochondria, the little creatures that live inside of us and give us all of our energy. They're non-human and they're bacteria. And we have, you know, we don't even know quadrillions of them. We have no idea, Um, but we are dependent upon them for our survival. If they break down, we die within two minutes. So you want to kill somebody very quickly. You give them a poison to stop all their mitochondria and then you're dead in about two minutes. Okay. That's cyanide. Okay, yeah, for example, yeah. so they are different. People do them together because once people are in this world, we just get into all the things. But we do all the things, <laughs> um, do all the things. But I always start. I will tell you. So, like, I know you're, you know, potty training these young little kids. I always start my patients and parents with red light, and I start with the real cheap, cheap ghetto hack way. You want a thirty thirty five dollar way to get introduced to red light? Just a single near infrared bulb that I use with it's a heat lamp and I want all their children exposed to it every night you know on their belly naked while you're reading in bed I hope everybody's reading and sing-song rhyme poetry to their children not using any digital devices so they can hear a human voice and be connected to you and you have a red light on both of you at the same time it is highly stimulating to the vagus nerve which is a cranial nerve comes out of your brain but it, we call it the wanderer It travels everywhere. We're a very unique species in that we have a vagus nerve. Humans are very bizarre compared to a lot of other living organisms on this planet because we have part of our central nervous system that wanders outside of the the skeleton. And it's very, very unique and it gives tremendous input back to the brain. Well, it is the most calming, soothing part of your nervous system is that vagus nerve. And it's going everywhere. It's going into your belly, it's the liver, the stomach, your lungs, your heart, um, and it's always grabbing information back to decide if you're safe or not. Well, red light and that little bit of heat on the belly and everywhere else activate that vagus nerve and they induce an incredibly deep, long, potent sleep. So, one of the most important things for new mothers is that they, oh my God, yeah. so the mama can sleep. So, trust me, I've had many women message me, email, see, basically in tears saying, he slept all night and I slept, you know, like in tears because it was the first time they got five straight hours of sleep and you know, three wow, years or something. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. So red light, so they're different. And you can start that real cheap way. It's nowhere near as potent as, a, as an LED panel that has the bandwidths really um, isolated. If someone has some serious injuries or we're trying to, to regulate a thyroid disorder or something, I'm going to say we need a panel, we need cold laser, something like that. But I, I usually start with red light. And then I usually go to sauna. And then yeah, I let me ask you a people. question
1: about the red light. Does it affect so with, with the kids? And I love the idea of being naked. I love yeah. that whole ritual, you know. Before bed. we want
2: body contact, right? Because that skin to skin contact one is also activating the vagus nerve in both right. everybody, and then you're also stimulating oxytocin, the love hormone. So compression and pressure is an actual tactile uh, sensory nutrient we all yes. need. So children in particular need touch and holding and bonding. We have to remember that baby has no idea. Well, okay, it's a baby. I'm going to say, I'm thinking baby as a five-year-old even. Good 10 months that you're one being, you're one creature, everything felt by the mother is felt by the baby. And and there's actually an incredible reciprocity of healing that goes on. You know, developing fetus is actually passing information, uh, stem cells and things through Uh, the placenta to the mother. So there's many women that that'll be the most profound, healthy time of their lives and things that they conditions they've had completely disappear because basically the baby has cured them of it through true actual stem cell exosome exchange and genetic information. So we got that whole thing going on, but we have an emotional connection. It's one being, you know, if the mama dies, the baby is dying. So we have one life force that's intertwined. Well, that baby does not know really It's so empathically tied to that mother. It doesn't differentiate till about six, seven years old that it's not actually the same as you. So if you walk in a room crying, baby is crying. You walk in a room mad, baby, I'm talking one, two, three, four, they're going to be mad. They're going to feel everything you're feeling. And it's very confusing. So I need mothers as regulated, mothers more than fathers, to be honest, because the child is more connected to them. It's just how it is. They have to be regulated. I have to help them be balanced. I have to get them calm because everything they're doing is impacting that child. So all that have to say, touch, hugging, kissing, that baby needs it so much because it's a very big shock to the physical system that it's walking around outside to begin with. And we used to <laughs> carry them out all the time. We used to have them. You know, you look at tribal cultures. There's many cultures that it's very ritualistic. Let's say Bali, for example, a baby never touches the earth until its first birthday. It's not allowed to, it's always on a human being. So there's many, many, it doesn't have to always be on the mom, but it's always around and it's typically, you know, on someone's chest or back. It's right at the heart chakra, always for a reason. So yeah, get the clothes off, be in the underwear, have some skin to skin, cuddle up, bring on the red light. And it's like the glow of of an evening fire. Well, That was my
1: question was, is is the light stimulating at all? Yeah, no, if we're using a near
2: infrared um, so again, a single bulb, right? I'm talking it's a chicken coop bulb or this on Amazon as so I thought just going get a chicken coop and chicken coop clamp. It has much more far infrared waves than near or middle. So it's hot. So I go, be careful of the touching versus, you know, do you have an LED panel? Yeah. They're not burning hot. There's way yeah. more near and middle than, than yeah. far. So that's what you're paying for. That's why they cost so much more money to get those frequencies put in there because they're gonna penetrate a whole lot deeper and they're gonna heal the mitochondria a whole lot more. But I like the single bulbs for families they are affordable, it's easy to do. That warmth again is soothing and caressing, down-regulates the, the system to deep to sleep really deeply. But it's really more the, the vagus system. And again, if I'm naked belly, I'm actually helping detoxification. I'm helping bowel movements. I'm helping lymph m- m- mood. A lot of these kids are cranky because you simply, they're constipated. Their, their detox systems are not working well. Because
1: you're, you're talking my language. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really fascinated though, because I hadn't even really thought of this aspect. I mean, I'm just delving into the vagus nerve. I mean, I know for you, probably not, but it's just hitting the mainstream, you know, that the oh, vagus nerve and, and regulation and <laughs> <up> regulation. <right? laughs>
2: it's all I do. So I'm like, really? It's just, you know, like yeah, that's yeah. all we talk about because I can't calm a system and you can't help anybody until that should be the dominant force. You know, you, we should be parasympathetic, the dominant top most of the time, 90, 95, if not hundred percent of the time, sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight, that stress, that should rarely activate. I mean, think about it. I mean, if I'm living a primal natural life, how often is a lion coming to kill me? Right. Very rarely. How often is someone coming to threaten my life or my child's life? Very, 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 very rarely. And yet I have families in fight or flight all day. That's the, yeah, Exactly. All and that's day. the main part. That is destroying health, destroying longevity. Yeah. When we say stress is the biggest issue, that's what we're talking about. Because it literally is a true flip in the nervous system. That fight or flight is designed to, to last 20 to 30 seconds optimally. And that's oh when God. it's a good stress, two minutes max. That's why things like we talk about cold plunging, typically it's a 30 second to two minute max because that's your sympathetic fight or flight response where you have a healthy response and then it ends because in a life or death situation, you either got away or you're dead. Either way, it's over.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, you know what I
2: mean? That That's, that's how we're designed. We're not designed to run 25 minutes from a lion. You know what I mean? You're not going to get, you're not going to fight for two hours from a predator. I don't care if it's a human. You're not fighting two hours. Somebody's going to to win or get away, right? So if you understand that concept, most of these things are just concepts and people understand the mechanisms behind that and the theories. like, oh, so they can start making choices. Is this going to activate my vagus nerve or is this going to activate my fight or flight? What's dominant right now? Am I in life or death mode or am I in rest and digest? So you can't have peace, harmony, optimal health. You can't fight cancer. If you're in fight or flight, you can't do any of those things.
1: Yeah, you're barely surviving.
2: The system has no opportunity for digestion if it's in fight or flight. It has no opportunity to do the things we're like, why is this? Why I'm like, yeah, because we have to get you in, I have to focus on vagus activation. That's everything.
1: Let me ask you a question because now my audience, all the people listening to this, I draw a very conscious parent crowd. I am the safety net for a lot of gentle parenting that has gone awry. And so one of the things we talk about constantly is co-regulation, self-regulation. And my work has led me to the conclusion that a dysregulated parent cannot co-regulate with a little one, because like you said, they're so enmeshed that if the parent is dysregulated, the child will never learn to self-regulate. And so I get parents who are very dysregulated all day long, either haven't done their trauma work, be it nutrition, but mostly lifestyle, like both parents coming home at six, running like crazy to get dinner on the table. The kid's not going to bed till eight. They're on a different circadian rhythm now. Everybody's jacked up. Now the kid throws a tantrum, that sort of dysregulation. And so this sounds like an amazing, and and assuming of course, like that you've done your trauma work, that you're eating really well, and that, you know, you have a pretty neurotypical family. Would a good routine, like at, at night, these parents come home stressed, like maybe if you had like an Instapot or a meal delivery service or something and just got naked with the red light, like get, re- like get the whole house regulated immediately. Would that like somehow, would that be a hack for families?
2: Yeah. One routine and rituals aren't the same, right? So routine is just what we're going to do. ritual has symbolic and emotional meaning, but they're both really, really important. And you're, you know, spot on hammer to nail. And it is a massive problem that I see in practice with how parents bring their kids to me and they want me to you know, fix the kid. Right. right. And in general, I'm like, oh man, you have the occasional moment. I mean, this has happened many times. And I'm like, there is nothing wrong with this child. There is not a diagnosis, a disorder. I've done the brain maps. I've done the labs. No, 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 no. Nothing happened in here. We need to look at you because you are so dysregulated. You are so unhealed. You are not addressing and you're just projecting all of this onto this kid. And sometimes it's straight projection. Sometimes, yeah, the kids are going to empath this. I mean, they're half to feel it. You know, unfortunately, yeah. the way it works in a house, the pets and the children, it goes pets first, that they're, they're going to buffer kids a little bit. Yep. They're going to protect them. They're yeah. going to pick yeah. the energy and feel it. So if you got a bunch of animals, well, and you're dysregulated, you're making them, you're giving them cancer. They're willing to do it. That's how much they love you they're going to protect them babies. Then you got the kids. Then they're they're processing (laughs) all of your crap all the time, right? So you are absolutely spot on. It's critical that parents start to know that message. And hopefully it'll change the narrative, particularly for women to say, it is not selfish for you to take care of yourself. You cannot do your family justice if you are angry, you know, unresolved anger, resentful, burnt out. I know personally for me, like it was a moment of, because I've been there, you know, I go through it too. I'm human, of when I had to hire a housekeeper. The level of guilt. And I think in particular, it's hard for people of color. So I'm a non-Black person of color. And, you know, my grandma's Black. And the idea of hiring somebody especially if they were going to be of color, you know, if they were older than me to come into my house and help me clean was, I mean, I was struggling. I was having a really, really hard time, but I had blown another disc. I was in severe pain. I couldn't bend over. I couldn't, I could not pick up clothes on the floor. I mean, I just, I could barely unload my dishwasher. So I was like, okay, it's going to be a temporary thing. And I had, you know, but I really had to go through it. And it was my big sister who finally was like, I would just say, Kim, you know, I just, I'm really having a hard time. I mean, I just don't want to be that person. And, and she was like, oh my gosh, Stephanie, everybody I know you would have, you would have, should have had one years ago. Right. try yeah. to do all of it. And, you know, I didn't want to teach my son that I wanted to, you know, like you make your own bed. We do our, you do your laundry. This is how I just, I really, really struggled. And then same thing with the lawn. I finally one day was like, you know what, please cut my grass because it gave me so much more time with my son. And then I just was like, yeah, I'm a much better mother because my back doesn't hurt as much. I have more energy, you know? <laughs> and I learned to just, I have such gratitude, but I still made him always clean his own room. I was like, okay, yeah. you guys help him. said, you know, and I said, no, no, no he, he won't make the bed with you. You know
1: what I mean? Like, cause I needed to learn yeah, this. Absolutely. Stuff, right? I think so, it was like three podcasts ago, I told my people, I was like, what can you hire out? everybody doesn't have the same amount of disposable income, but this is like the only thing that cracked me up. What you just even said once your- a month, let's say, or, or once every three months, i like, you know, get somebody to help you
2: once every three months to deep clean. I'm hiring somebody right now to come in and help me reorganize and deep clean my garage, mm-hmm. you know, and a shed where I'm like, I just, I just need help. This is hard to do by myself. And if I can do it in five hours with another person that I'm paying to help me versus 10, 15 hours on myself. Right. If, in some of what you do, that's part of what I have to teach moms often. Yeah. I have had many times, even if I do, they bring the child in front of me, let's say that's autistic, right? So we have an autistic child. The parent, you know, is they, these are warriors. They're like, okay, now the next level, we're going to do feedback, And I see all the things and I can see her. And I have had those moments where I say, here's the thing I get, Billy has autism. Yes. He needs feedback. He's a great candidate. You've done a beautiful job with his gut. You're doing a beautiful job with his nutrition. And this is going to help him feel so much better. However, I think we need to wait because you deserve my time. You don't seem well. You and your stress level and your depression and these four medications and your lack of understanding, you deserve more than one pedicure a year. Like, no, can I take care of you? You're not sleeping, you know, and then the, the tears and the crying. I was like, they just drop it? Yeah, the, you know, they're <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And if I'm lucky enough to have a husband there too, which is very, very common, that husband will stop and like, yes, do it. Or they go home and they'll say, my husband is like begging me to saying, you know what? She's right. Spend the money. You need this. And sure enough, as I and the husbands this are mother, like,
1: here, open the wall, like here. Yeah, it's yeah. So the funny. husband and like so happy, like, oh my God, I've been saying
2: this too, right? Yeah. So, but they didn't know how to help. They don't know what to do. You know what I mean? So right. then as I train this mother, suddenly little Johnny's behaviors go away. <laughs> he doesn't have as many meltdowns. He's not having as much mm-hmm. dysregulation. Oddly enough, everything in the house is better. It doesn't mean he's oh, still yeah. autistic, but these the explosive things.
1: Yes, bringing, yes. Right. Right. I said, so let exactly. me ask you, you've been in practice for 20 years. I've been in practice for 12. I am shocked at the trajectory of mother martyrdom that has happened in the last, it's got to be social media. That's the only thing I can connect it to. Well,
2: there's so many layers. To it,
1: right? I mean, I think that's a
2: huge part of it. I think there's this one information overload. So then you have an unrealistic expectation of what motherhood is supposed to be. We have an unrealistic expectation of, because there's just so much, right? Like I, because I am very mental and I am a doctor and I specialize in the brain, I did approach it very, very much like a college degree. I overread, I overstudied, I overprepared, I admit it. So I came at it with so much neurology. And everything was based upon how can I set my child up to have the best neurological life ever, right? But I'm a brain-based doctor, so I had no choice. But that was a little bit, probably too much science in it at times, right? But he actually broke me of that because, you know, I think a child teaches you the power of now better than anything on earth, at least in my Mm -hmm. experience. You listen. If you want to raise alpha brain waves and you want to learn how to meditate, put your freaking phone down, turn off a TV and be present with your little toddler, with your baby. And you can just get lost in the now, always. But you have to remove all distractions. So I think some of it absolutely is too much information. Then I do think there's like that comparison of the Pinterest mom or whatever. I never really went down that rabbit hole. (laughs) I was like, are you guys kidding me? Like, you're not actually sleeping because you're trying to make that cake. So I see a lot of, you know, in practice, I actually don't actually see a ton of victim moms. I see more perfectionistic, obsessive compulsive moms that grind themselves into disorders of obsessive compulsive to be perfectionists and judging themselves. Right. So there is that martyrdom within there, but they don't. actually. Yeah, that's what that. I mean.
1: I don't see a lot of there, it's here, there but yeah. they're
2: presenting for me. That's more what I see, but that, that's also just what maybe, you know, I'm attracting that type of overachieving,
1: We're dying at the mother altar, is what I call it. Which is, I'm not sleeping because I'm going to make the perfect cake. That is dying. That's not victimhood, but they are dying at the mother altar. No, absolutely. And that's rats ass about that. I think that's again that's (laughs) comparison. Yeah, I think a lot
2: of social media. It's comparison. It's competitiveness. You know, I go through the thing. I only have one child. My mom had four, and I look at like I make I don't know eight to ten times more than she ever made at times, and I have an actual ex-husband that I, that is involved. Like I say, Oh, can you help me do this? Can you pick him up or can, you know, take him for the weekend kind of a thing? And she didn't have any of that. I have a mother, she didn't have parents around to help. She had nothing. And I don't know how she did it. I I mean, look at how hard it is. I mean, you're like, how did you do this? And you made it look so easy. (laughs) Like, were you ever like crying? Like I am at night, you know, like, I think we're asked to do a whole lot more, you know, but back in the seventies, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have answering machines. They didn't have 18,000 things to do. The neighbors would come over and borrow eggs. And, you know, women in the 50s were always getting together, playing cards and having a cocktail. They
1: had a lot more fun than us, to be honest. I have really traced it back is they didn't have an identity to preserve. So what has happened is like, we've got this working mom versus stay-at-home mom. Who's better? Who's putting in more hours? There's a, a weird competitive thing there, but there's a, a saving of my identity. My mom didn't do like, quote unquote, self-care, but she locked us out of the house as kids during her story time, which was like, I don't know,
0: another world yeah. old, all my children. Yeah. As a world the world turned
1: all that. We weren't we were allowed to come in. She'd hand us sandwiches through the mail slot. They had it going on in certain ways. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? She'd wrap it in wax paper so that we could slide down the slide faster at the playground down the street. We were like four, six, and eight. Yeah. They, they <laughs> yeah. did have a different independence of They
2: weren't as terrified. They weren't as anxious. They weren't as terrified of the world. They didn't. We could be out and about and do things. And there's been a false perception that we live in a more dangerous world as far as like abductions and things like that. And it's exactly the same rate as it was in 1975. You know, it's exactly the same. So but because of. I think just all media, not just social media, there were no 24 seven news cycles when we were children. Right. You know? So, I mean, I remember the TV went off and it was like that screen, you know, TV went off.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It was a flag.
2: Like we're done. You
1: can't watch
2: something at two in the morning, but now you can go down that. And I think in general, parents are much more dissociated there uh, a tremendous amount of dissociation and addiction to screens themselves mm-hmm. so you have many parents that are barely parenting they're highly disconnected from their children because they're overly connected to their digital devices in all forms all of their media
1: the disconnection um, is huge in my work and I, we talk yeah. so much about that because that's the number one defense you know if your kids falling out you regain that connection and it it's digital but i also find that again it's that distracted the mom who's baking the perfect cake. You know, I don't have time for you because I'm baking you the perfect cake. And it's like, no, because he doesn't really care about the perfect cake. No, they don't care about any of that. So I work primarily with toddlers, but it's interesting because I'm a single mom of one boy and he's 15. Your boy is? 16. 16. Okay. I thought he was younger than Pascal. It was funny because this last six months he's been The best kid, we've always been very connected. You know, we've had this amazing relationship and the last six months hit the rocky patch. Like all of a sudden he was not so pleasant. You know what I mean? Our our connection was severed. And I started to realize that we needed bigger connection. I was trying to honor his like pulling away from me you know, by yeah. like letting go. And then I was like, yeah, it's horrible. But it's I, you horrible. also have to hold to. them tight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even this Christmas, he, he said he didn't want to do anything. And I said, fuck you, I'm decorating the house. I'm going to the nines because you need extra this year. And I yeah. was like, you're not leaving your stocking yet. But we did find it's so funny about the regulation. I realized it, you know, it's so hard to see what's in front of your own face, but he would get like, I don't know, disrespectful or eye roll. And I would take it so personally. And then I would be like, hey, so I would get reactive. And of course, getting reactive with a teenager is just not useful at all, you know, or with anybody probably, but he'd get reactive and it'd be this huge thing. And then I realized, oh my God, I have to stay regulated. You don't get the luxury of being dysregulated as a parent, like stay regulated, let him ping off of you. And Stephanie, I swear to God, it's almost like it was impulse control. Like he didn't mean to be rude. You know, because the next yeah. minute he'd be like, oh, mom, I love you so much. And I'd be like, all right, Jamie, just stay in your lane. Do stay happy. You stay regulated. And whatever he says or does, you can't let it topple you. And I find that it's such a similar process with the toddlers, too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easier with
2: toddlers because you're like,
1: oh, look at how cute you are. Because
2: they really can't talk back. They really can't right. do anything. You know yeah. what I mean? I do this, like, break the bad news to you and... Parents will complain or be like overwhelmed at a two or three year old. I'm like, oh, man, pumpkin, you're going to have to work on this right now because it is not getting easier. This is right. the easy time. I'm like, right. hey, if you're struggling now, we really need to teach you to meditate a little bit because you're going to have to get control of this nervous system. You're going to have to learn to own it and control it because this is nothing. You know, you get that little peak at like eight, nine of like pre-puberty spike in hormones around eight, nine, they get a little nasty. Then you're like, oh, okay, excuse me. You know, that's like a sudden weird, whatever, like, what was that? You know, but then 15, you know, 14, 15, 16. And again, boys and girls are different. Uh, We definitely have different developmental rates. Biology does matter. Boys are slower. It's just the nature of it. You know, a 16 year old girl, a 16 year old boy, for the most part, are like, two Different worlds, right? Yeah, yeah. He's going to have a whole lot more prefrontal cortex development, a lot more impulse control, um, a lot more ability to think. The human brain isn't done till 25, 26, but boys in particular really seem finally about 24. You're like, okay, now you're thinking, now you could see that somebody would probably get hurt from that activity. Right? As we're a 13 year old girl, probably like, that's not real smart. I think someone's going to get hurt. I think we could kill somebody by doing that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure, but I think, right? So I do have those conversations with my son and I do about like, look, I get it. You're not quite a man and you're not a child. You're this man-child space. Okay. I got to trust, you know, yourself and what's going to go on. And then I got to be like, ah, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the parent card and, and I'm grown. and I know more. Than you. So yeah. I know this is a hard time that yep. I went through it too. Too bad. <laughs> Sometimes, exactly. So it's very hard. Yeah. As the moms, you know, it's uh, I go through it too. And I go, okay. And I'll have to do the pause. Go, okay. Honey, you know what? Right now you're right. I'm having an overreaction. My feelings are getting hurt. It's probably not right. I need to go for a walk. And I, you have to actually move and change. Like I need space and I yeah. need to, and I go and I do something different. And then I'm like, okay, I'm back. At that age for my son, it's very important. I apologize, right? Like, I am sorry. sorry. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I am sorry. I'm sorry.
1: You know, and, you
2: know, for me, I even had those conversations. I think when parents can tell some truth where I'm like, you know, that really reminded me of when I was 12. No, I'll say I felt like I was 12 with you. I got to walk away because you reminded me of my brother. And it really freaked me out. drives me nuts (laughs) and you just did the same and you're like oh yeah uncle eddie and i said yeah so we can have a a good conversation and he's like well you know he's a really good guy but i said yep but then i can like connect with him again and get his world views on things that in that moment of because he was like bruh he said
1: something nasty with a bra
2: i I put it i'm like
1: just no. what are you talking about right my son does the nitpicking what what exactly did i say that had attitude what was the So what was I. the tone <laughs> what is, oh my god but yeah. I, I just want to go back and circle back to one thing that you said because i kind of want to highlight it for my people here which is you guys it shouldn't be this hard when your kid is two or three if it is this hard you got to look at yourself first you gotta get help. Um, i don't think it's bigger kids bigger problems it's just it gets exacerbated every day it is bigger problems because we're dealing with sex and drugs and driving and dating and hard for death. i mean yeah, yeah. But I love that you just said that so easy, like learn to meditate, learn to get your nervous system under control. I don't know if you caught that, but even Stephanie talking about her and her teenage son, this is what I stress with my parents. They've been sold a bill of goods by the gentle parenting movement that at all times you should honor, validate, and stick with your child's feelings. You should never, ever abandon them or leave them. But if you are dysregulated, if your child has triggered something that starts to blow you through the roof, you've got to change your space. You've got to change your nervous system. You've got to find that place where you can re-regulate yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah it's critical. You tell them I'm leaving and I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where yeah. I'm going. It's the garage, the backyard, my car. My car was a safe space for a long time, Where I was yeah. like, this is what's happening. I might say I need to cry. I need to yell. I need to yeah. listen to some music. My son uses a lot of music to regulate himself. So he understands like, I, I'm going to do the same thing. And sometimes I'm, I'm regulated enough to go, do you want to put on some music and we can just dance it out? Like sometimes yeah. I can do it with them. But sometimes just like he says, mom, I need space right now. I just right. want to be alone. Yeah. Okay. I can respect that. I will give that to you. Yeah. you want me to and sometimes that? we will
1: have the child go to their room too. And I say, you know, rooms today yeah. for kids aren't punishments. Like they're there to play with their not space. They out what yeah, if you ask better. them ahead. If you
2: ask them ahead of time, people are definitely using those things. I, I'm not a timeout fan. I never did a timeout. No, I, yeah, people can use it as a punishment, and it can be used if the intention is right as an opportunity for space. As a break. Like, like this is too much. It's okay. You can leave the table where you want right now. And yeah. sometimes it is. I need to go for a walk. Okay, let the kid, well, I mean, my kid, you know, he's big, go out in the backyard, hit a ball, bang, a, take a bath. Change the space, change the yeah. yeah. What do you yep. need? What's a mu- then go listen to music for 10 minutes. That's fine. But if it's set up ahead of time, right? you understand? So yeah, yep. I absolutely, absolutely 100%. And, and I'd rather have a highly dysregulated parent who can't even verbalize, walk out of that room rather than shake their baby to death. Exactly. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Exactly. Like no doubt about. Like I get it. It's sad. There comes a moment. I had to walk out once when my kid was in the crib crying. I was like, I- I'm about to have a nervous breakdown, and got in the car and cried. Called my best friend. I, I can't. I can't. But I'm like, I'm on three hours of sleep in like five days. I- my same thing is happened asleep. to me. Yeah.
1: The yeah same thing was nervous, But I, I, I also tell friends that's when we. That's when we hit. You know, like we get, yeah, implants, that you're, you're like going to make a mistake are- or you're gonna fall. I
2: actually fell down, passed out. I mean, I actually oh dropped God. to
1: the ground a couple
2: of times from fatigue. Had I been holding him, that could have been catastrophic.
1: I hear catastrophic words, which is like, if you're so dysregulated, you've got to change their space or your space because that's when parents are like, you're such a bad kid all the time. Oh, They're yeah. like, always, never, you, yeah. you're this, you know, and so. This yeah. segued into something awesome, but can we talk very briefly? Thank you so much for your time. But can we talk very briefly yeah. about the sauna and the cold press, yeah. which is where right. I want to go. But I love the parenting stuff so much that yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, what do you want to know about it? So, cold. what makes sauna so great?
2: Sauna, in particular, there's a lot more research on sauna than cold. So, longevity factors. I mean, this is a huge tradition in Sweden, Finland. Mm-hmm. The Nordic people have had saunas as a part of their culture forever. And obviously because it's very cold or the cold exposure is a part of it, but research is extraordinary in terms of longevity, heart attack risk, prevention of things like dementia and Alzheimer's. The frequency is critical on that. The research is very clear. It needs to be about four days a week to really get those extraordinary benefits on anti-aging, cancer, Alzheimer's, stroke, heart attack. I like it because it's a fake workout. I tell everybody, I'm like, "Uh, you know, I'm getting a cardiovascular workout sitting on my ass in a sauna. So it's equivalent to a two mile jog. I mean, yeah. I mean, so basically I get to work out your heart, your cardiovascular system is jogging with zero impact on the joint. So I've broken my back and blown three discs. I've gone through many periods of my life where I couldn't exercise, but I don't blow up. I stay fit because I use these devices and these hacks. That's what I do. The sauna is a cardiovascular workout.
1: Is steam better than infrared?
2: Steam is horrible. So steam is the worst because it interferes with the body's ability to sweat because it's accumulating on there. And sweat is the way you're regulating your temperature and you're getting the right signal to know when it's time. your brain and your skin are communicating to know it's time to get out and you're not purging as much. So the skin is a massive uh, detoxification organ and you will sweat out tons of things. In particular, heavy metals and mold are extraordinary in heat. So I deal with a lot of mold patients and I have illness yourself. Sauna is a requirement for that. So I'm going to go always go through nutrient protocol chelation, but we have to couple it with a sauna. That's the only way to get all the mycotoxin and biotoxins out of them. So it does an extraordinary amount of things. And again, that heat stress. um, So we're looking at, you know, burning a lot of calories, cardiovascular workout with zero impact, heart health, brain health, placking in the brain. We basically have to clean anything. What is Alzheimer's? You know, the sewer backed up in your brain. You didn't clean enough. Decades of shit backing up in your brain, not getting out. You have Alzheimer's. That's what happens. So if you keep everything moving real clean. So the traditional like Finnish saunas, most of the research are on those, but most of us in America don't have access to those. We don't have the seven, $8,000 to build one. And infrared therefore has kind of taken the market by storm because it's easier, more convenient, easy to ship, blah, blah, blah. And some people would say maybe the benefits are better because the infrared light waves or heat waves, they penetrate much deeper and because the air doesn't get hot, you can stay a whole lot longer because, you know, in some of the traditional Finnish saunas, the air is like 160, 180 degrees. I mean, you yeah. start to be like, I can't breathe in here. As i are in red, the waves are going inside of your body and heating you up from the inside. So the air is actually pretty, it's not that hot, 120 or 130, but you inside can get really hot and start sweating extraordinarily fast.
1: So I heard 140 was necessary for that, but no, 120, 130 does it too.
2: They're different. So I'm saying a finished sauna and an infrared sauna and a light based sauna are not the same thing. That's no, but what I'm I saying. heard with that the matters, infrared that 140. Yeah, what matters is what's your okay. body temperature, right? Most of us aren't yep. using a rectal thermometer and finding that out, but you know that's a way to tell. I'm more of a fan for people in America for convenience with the light-based sauna, not even infrared. I use light-based and not electromagnetic panels running through. I'm not surrounded. So I'm in zero EMF, which is very different. So a lot of the infrared saunas are very toxic. They're very dangerous, actually. So I am very concerned with a lot of what I see out in the market because people are inhaling toxic glues, adhesives, solvents, paints while they're in there. You understand what kind of wood is it? What has it been treated with? All of that, the hotter it gets, the more you're leaching that out. Volatile organic compounds, BPAs, lots of cancer, it's tough. And those panels are surrounding you. You're basically baking in a microwave with some of the cheaper devices. There are good ones on the market, but.
1: What about the tents? What about the tents that your heads out? Those are decent.
2: The right one. Some of them have lied in their advertising, and they're calling them near infrared, and they're not. We caught one. One I, I I fell sucker too. One of everybody. I'm not going to say the company or the name, but we all fell sucker. And then what does it Joe, begin with? Joe Mercola is the he's the one that ripped them apart. He tested okay. it in a conference. I mean, we all were like, what? And he's like, yeah. And then the guy was there, and I, we were like, oh. And I love. Oh. I think he's like, well, you can't say something does something and it doesn't do it.
1: Tell me the brand first letter. Because I got one of those tents. I'll tell you why. Because I wasn't sure. Sauna takes a little bit of a time investment, you know? And I was like, I don't know that I'll do the time investment. So like how you proposed the chicken coop heating lamp to start, I said, let me start with one of these because I want to see if I'll put the time in it before I invest the money.
2: So, okay. Yeah, you're just cool. benefits of the brain.
1: that I get
2: their point is if your head is out, you can stay longer and sweat more, but you're missing some brain right. Investment. And benefits, but yeah, they're they're great. I have no problem with those. It's not what I chose to invest in, but yeah, they work.
0: And
1: then cold plunge. Cold plunge seems like obvious to me, but I don't know that any of the science behind it. It seems obvious to you
2: because most people think it's, it doesn't seem obvious at all that you would cold plunge.
1: It seems obvious now. Now that I do it, it just okay. feels so good. Like you feel like, oh my god, I, I'm awake. I am not freezing all day. That's so funny. I've spoken like a true white
2: person. Because if you say that to people of color, that's not true. Really? We don't like it. Oh, God. You don't like it at We're all. We're
1: freezing all day. It's horrible. I so like, like, being in so the I'll, give, I'll give contrast. There are people like you who are like, oh, my God, I feel so great. And let me tell you was, something. I hate doing it. I want to cry. I have to talk myself. It takes me all day to talk. Myself. Isn't it funny? Isn't it oh, funny? Yeah. Like,
2: no matter how much you're still like, I went out to mine this morning and I actually I thought you were an hour earlier. So I got on here an hour ago. So I had to raise. I did the sauna. So I, I was like, okay, I'm a little bit rushed. <laughs> I said, well, I'm in a sauna. It's like, oh, I can't do my normal thing. How am I going to do this? Can I get the lifting in? Can I did it? And I was like, well, I'll lift later. So I'm thinking I'll sauna and I'll contrast therapy. I'll sauna and I'll go right to the cold plunge. But I was running out of time and I'm like, I don't really have enough time for it. But I go and I look at it. It's like, we had a huge storm with so many leaves and it's like a whole layer of bugs on top. Right? And I kind of looked at it like, yeah, I'm still doing it. You know? so I, after I'm done, I've actually got a cold plunge. Cause I was like, I got to reverse my order. i cold plunge and I'm going to lift. So okay. it's just order of doing it, you know, you should cold and then exercise. It depends on what the goal is, on how we want to stack
1: it, right? If yeah, you're
2: trying root yeah. loss, or you're trying to whatever. So I've known about cold plunging and the benefits for at least ten years. I son was sixteen, yeah, at least it was popular. I mean, it was biohackers and stuff. This is my circle at least ten years, if not fifteen, yeah. right? Yeah. But it, for me, I was like, mm, no thanks. My Indian black ass doesn't want to do that. I love (laughs) some, right? Like it's 120 in Atlanta. I'll be wearing jeans and boots. I'm like, I'm fine. Like I really am built. And when I mean that, I mean, my mitochondria are built for deep Africa. At your human genetics, like whether you're Swedish or whatever, Italian, you know, South American matter, but your mitochondria have a whole separate DNA. They're not human. Not everybody seems to understand that. So we can track, I look at all my patients, genetics, and I want to know where their mitochondria, it's called a haplotype that it only comes from your mother. That only comes from women. The male mitochondria get destroyed as soon as the sperm comes into the egg, your whole mitochondria line only comes from the women. So it's part of why they can go, they try to find that, you know, the ancestral Eve, and Doug Wallace is the primary researcher of mitochondria, PhD, I forget which university he's at, but he's like the mitochondrial god. And he's figured out the haplotype and the whole genetic line so far of every sample we have and where they start. And L0 is the starting point of the mitochondrial story, and that's deep Africa. And so there's all these letters L0, then the L1, and L2, and they go all over. And as the people moved all over this planet the mitochondria adapt to the environment. Human DNA doesn't change very much at all. It's almost exactly the same. And we're all pretty much the same. What makes us so different is our mitochondria. So they pick up the environment, they pick up the heat, they pick up the light signals, and they mutate and change very, very quickly. So they figured out, oh, it's real cold. They, uh, we got to change what we're doing because like this person can't even shiver that much. We, we What do we got to do? So people who went up into the Nordic region where it was a bunch of super snow and super ice, they didn't have to run from animals very much anymore, but they were cold. So the mitochondria changed what they did. They started becoming really inefficient. They started uncoupling when they run photons of light through them to make ATP. They started doing it really inefficiently. So they don't make as much ATP anymore. So the, the Swedes and the Nordic people with those mitochondrial mutations, but what they leak is infrared light, which is heat. That's why infrared sauna, infrared it's, it's heat. So they leak a ton of heat out of their mitochondria. They don't make as much ATP. So they're not very good sprinters usually, but they're warm. They're just naturally warm they just leak heat so they can handle a cold. Black people, right? L0L, if you have that mitochondria and it came from your mama, 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 so you can be white as blue-eyed and as a daisy, but you might have an L1 haplotype right? Your mitochondria don't uncouple. They make a crap ton of ATP though. We're incredibly energy efficient, but we don't leak infrared heat very much. So we're kind of cold natured. We need tremendous sunlight. Your genetics, those little mitochondrial things, they make a big difference as to who likes the heat and why I can sit in a sauna for like ever. And some of the my Nordic sweetened friends who are hundred percent Viking three to five minutes in my sauna. I can't take it. I can't take it. I feel like my skin is burning. I'm like, dude, you aren't even, so what the hell was that? You know what I mean? Oh, but man. like the, the cold does nothing to like, not a problem. I mean, like they could be out in bra and panties in the snow. Like it's not that bad.
1: It's <laughs> so funny though, because I live in New England where we have four seasons full fledged and it's just a constant battle. We're into winter now. And I'm like, thank God, Like, I feel like I came alive as soon as the temperature dropped below 60. Right. The summer makes me melt. Like, I'm like, I'm miserable. I sit on the couch and I'll tell you how hot it is. and
2: It's awful. It's like where your genetics and where you live, it can create tremendous health mismatches. I mean, you take some Somalians and you move them to Canada. They don't do well. This is why they end up getting obese and getting diabetes. It's a complete mismatch. They don't have enough of the right sunlight and the cold is is too much for them. So that being said, I think anybody can do heat. I think anybody can do cold. We learn to adapt the system and we start from where you are and you work your way up. So your therapeutic dose might be very different from your best friend's. So that needs to be taken into account. And there's things like thyroid disorders that cause temperature dysregulation. You have to look at what's going on with a the person. There's things like just way too low body fat, way too high body fat. These are all going to have some impact. So it's- but There's a
1: therapeutic dose of cold. I like that because you see these people chipping ice holes. When they yeah, you want like, a therapeutic I'm dose. I'm such it's a baby because I'm like- minute, this is
2: what it is. Yeah, it's a minimum effective dose. And that's all you ever need, right? Just like for your kids. Minimal effective dose. Like, don't overdo it. If I'm doing neurofeedback on children, I have to try to explain to parents. I'm like, it's 15 minutes. It's 20 minutes. I'm like, they can't do 45 minutes. Actually, we'll get a return on investment. I'm going to reverse, just like training for right a tough mutter. You can overtrain and reverse the benefits of what you're doing. So you can over sauna and you can you know kill yourself. <laughs> you can you can make it too hot and be there too. You can dehydrate. You can have electrolyte problems. Right. The Heat shock's a real thing. So, what you're trying to do with the heat and the cold? There's many, many mechanisms, but one of that it's really kind of the extreme, the minimum effective dose of what you can handle that has a genetic input it's called heat shock proteins or cold shock proteins. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a genetic signal of anti-aging. It's that hormetic stress, and the way the body responds afterwards is what matters. And again. All the more reason why whenever you do any of these things, you must be prioritizing sleep because that's when all the healing is going to be doing. So if you're putting yourself through, you know, CrossFit or triathlon training or heat saunas and cold and you sleep three hours a night, you're going to destroy yourself. It's akin to being an anorexic. You're going to start eating, you're breaking yourself down because your body, it's always in the sleep that the actual healing is happening, that the actual response to the damage you did during the day, you don't heal during the day, you heal when you sleep. Yeah. That's when you lose all your weight as well. Like you want to lose mama weight. You have to sleep. I mean, and if you're not sleeping, don't stress about it. It's all about, I think
1: I have probably 40 podcasts on sleep. Yeah. it's all, My audience it's about is tired that. of me talking about sleep. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, sleep is a cognitive
2: enhancer. Sleep is a weight loss supplement. Sleep is yeah. where everything happens. It's the dream state. It's the magic. It's the vision space. It's the ancestral connection to the universe. I mean, ultimately, I don't know why people don't love it. I'm like, you guys, you can be anything, and go anywhere when you're sleeping. You, you People do ayahuasca to do what they can do in the dream state. You know.
1: Exactly. you know what I mean? You can do it every night. I mean, really. We've just been sold on that bill of goods. And I think, again, it goes back to that mommy martyrdom. I have parents who's like, only me time is at midnight. And I'm like, no, your me time can be when you're sleeping. that's better. I do understand that they do. They need a little bit of a wind down time, but we need to teach them how to wind down in a way that's going to facilitate
2: sleep. So if they want to like drink wine and watch TV, now you've just destroyed the benefits you would have gotten when when you do sleep. You're not actually getting any growth hormone. You're not, cortisol's too high. You're not getting in, you know, there's, there's a big problem there. So anyway, the cold is really the range. Like, as you said, it is a very, like all the biohacking world is very male. It's very aggressive. Even a lot of the food space, it's very aggressive. And even though I embraced that younger, becoming a mother for sure helped me embrace more of the nurturing side and, and just how powerful femininity really is, how powerful sharing and how much courage goes into and doing things anyway. Women are, we're extraordinary at this actually. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for the type of incredible strength and perseverance we bring to things with a softness. And you can approach all of these things very aggressively and beating yourself up or or you can approach it with embracing that you're a total badass. You are embracing this just like anything else and it will nourish you and nurture you. This is a, a food you actually need. You actually need to have stressors and overcome them again, because we've made everything so comfortable. We've made our lives you know, with technology and controlling, because we control the environment in our homes, right? The temperature everywhere, we have no exposure to hot and cold. It's breaking our hormone systems and it's causing massive dysregulation in insulin, blood glucose, cortisol, testosterone. And it's part of what's making us fat and depressed and slow. So yeah, the the cold is just a simple, getting some cold water, basically. It needs to be uncomfortably cold and your body will tell you when to get out. And that is typically within one to three minutes. And that's from a norepinephrine hit, a noradrenaline hit in the brain that says, yeah, I could stay longer, but I'm just done. Because you've had a boost of noradrenaline to get out and do something. That's where that feeling that you're getting afterward of all that, it feels great. There's a lot of neurotransmitter changes that happen depending on the time, but it does start with, I love, you start the hands and feet. You can start by just doing that, hands and feet and face with cold dunking and splashing to get yourself used to it. I think the cold showers are the worst way to start. I think men seem to like that. More women than not don't. I think there's something about half the body being pelleted and like kind of assaulted by these cold pellets and the other half exposed to the air and feeling even colder. It's a very bizarre feeling. I hate cold showers and I've done them consecutively. The longest streak I think was like 47 days straight, but I've done them for years. I just don't think it's a very feminine way to do it. I think you're better off to start with some cold plunging. You could do it in your tub. The big range is 59 degrees Fahrenheit. The research is clear. If you're 59 below. So like think 33 to 59. If it's you know 32 or lower, it's like frozen. So you got to break right. all that up. So the water won't really be ever like 30. You're going to have massive improvements in inflammation. You're going to get some cold shock proteins. You're going to have some neurotransmitter support. You're going to have some testosterone boosting. For fat loss, weight loss, cold rips through fat better than anything else. Way more than exercise. And there's a whole free fatty acid. And there's a whole story physiologically of why that is. I offer it even free to people in, in one of my, um, I think my immune course, I might even give that whole PDF and video free explaining. Cause it's kind of mind blowing cold will make you lose more fat faster than exercise or diet or heat through. Oh, what, what, I'll be right yeah.
1: back. I got to go cold punch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
1: and That needs to be usually pretty cold.
2: And again, though, like 35 and below is what the most of the research is saying. But the reality is, again, you have to go with what's uncomfortably cold for you. Again, when we talk about those mitochondrial haplotype differences, so that might be 45 for a, a big group of people. And again, for the people who love the cold, and it, that, that, that's 35 and below. And if they can do it, you can get massive benefit. It's 11 minutes a day. That's yeah. the minimum effective dose. So if you do 11, I mean, I'm sorry, a, a week. Eleven minutes a week, spread into typically three, would be a nice dose. Two to okay. three plunges—that's where it looks like you're going to be getting long-standing health benefits, such as neurotransmitter balance, hormone balance, inflammation decreasing, weight loss control. You know, again, depending on how much you need, that's not that long, right? So, like, say you you plunge three times a week. And three minutes, one time, four, just something like that. I mean, just the other day, I did 22 minutes. Um, oh, I it wasn't saw that. that you
1: were doing a Q&A. Yeah, and a Yeah, it like, wasn't that cold. It
2: was like 40, 50, 48, 50, something like that. So I started cold plunging probably seven years ago, actually, seven, eight years ago is when I started and I was being coached by Jack Cruz, a neurologist okay. who all, and all this. And he specifically told me 70 is going to be shocking to you. So 74, 72 is cold enough for you right now. That's I was in the throes of mold illness recovery. And he said, you really, need it's more sunshine and heat because of my genetics, because of where you're from. He's like, you need yes. to move. He's like living in Atlanta is not, you have to go to the South. Like this is, this is too far north for my body to be healthy, really. So I have to work very hard living in Atlanta because I live in an environment that's not optimal for me. This is part of why I have so many lights and so many too much sauna, why I sauna every day, why I'm in red lights every single day. I, I do it without fail because there's not enough sun here for me. My body is starving somebody else, it's different, right? They struggle to live down here. It's too hot. So that when they become inactive. They feel like they're melting. They can't do anything that, you know, they're miserable except for three months a year. Yeah. Uh, I like. I would, have, I would have to get
1: up to work out at three in the morning in the summer because like, I can't even have the sun on me. <laughs> right. See what I'm saying? Like, it's a very different thing. So people really should
2: kind of be living where, where it's optimal for them. And it makes it, it, it is very, very different. So yeah, the cold is I am more intrigued by it. What I like about, so there's all those physiological benefits. Great. I will tell you, honestly, that still didn't really motivate me to do it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I just hung my hat on Jack said, I don't really need it that much. Jack says I don't really need it. Right, I'm just, right, right. just going to stick with that. Well, I'll be 49 in January. And, you know, I've had a, a shift in the last year of things. The body is, you know, the moment where all these patients would tell me, you know, they would gain the weight and this and that. Dude, I'm 53.
1: If I walk by a freezer with ice cream in it, my ass gets bigger. I've gained some weight. Or some diff- I w- I wasn't feeling as well. I wasn't sleeping well. And I thought
2: I need my growth hormone, homeopathic. I'm mean, being like, okay, so I, I think I need to start with the, you know, I'm going to go CJC, if I'm more than I'm doing peptides, I'm going to do some injections. I'm going to, you know, really go intense with peptides, which is what I'm trained in and what I thought to do. But when you're looking at yourself, it's you miss things, right? So a friend of mine, a physician buddy, and he goes, "Uh, I think we need to just run your hormones. I bet you don't have any testosterone now. I bet you things are starting to change. I was like, what? And so I was very, I was very like, no, no, 48. (laughs) no, I'm not getting old. What's happening? Right. And so, yeah, sure enough, it was all tanked. So what really motivated me was partly that like, okay, I'm having this, this shift, but it was also the way you can rewire the vagus nerve and rewire trauma through the cold. That is what has hooked me into it and why I'm doing it now, because what it's doing is stimulating a life or death response. The heat is kind of gradual, you're getting the slower kind of thing, but that cold, it's a very big shock to the system. You get a tank at 35, you put a bunch of ice, it's about 35 degrees, and you put yourself in it. And if you go under as well, I mean with your head and your face, what the brain thinks is I fell into a lake, I'm going to die. So you have this complete gasp reflex, you have the breathing changes. Um, The whole body lights up to keep you alive, to do extraordinary things to keep you alive. Well, what you're doing then is overriding that consciously to stay in it. Plus you're like overriding, right? The fear of, why would I go in that? I don't want to go in there. Like, even though you're like, I know it feels good when I get, but I'm not doing it. I went through that the other day. It took me like seven hours to finally go in it. I was like, why am I doing this to myself?
1: But the biggest benefit for cold plunges is I beat my brain. it's it's
2: control over your nervous system. It's complete control over it. And putting yourself in a safe stress trauma experience, you can rewire. And and if you actually do it with like a talk therapist at the same time and actually set it up, right. It's very opposite Wim Hof method. Wim Hof is a very kind of aggressive, amp yourself up with that breathing, you know, it's, it's a very male. It's very direct, masculine barrel through it. And there's another way to do it that has a very different approach, very feminine, using some meditation and some breath work and using posture and the power pose. And to say, I am consciously doing this. I'm not going to amp myself up. I'm not actually going to go out of control at all. I'm going to stay so calm and so resolved. And I'm going to step into this calmly I'm going to sit down calmly. I'm going to control this breathing the entire time. I'm not going to go hypercapnic. I'm not going to do excessive breathing. I'm not going to do that circular excessive breathing. And then stay as long as, okay. Focusing on embodiment. Focusing on this is what cold feels like. It brings okay. you presence into your body. Full embodiment, full presence, full grounding. Cannot get away from it. And to stand up calmly when you're done. And put yourself in a broad, open, wide power position. Don't go throwing a towel on you. Like, be very controlled. Do not like shiver down into smallness. You stand and you become large. You take up tremendous space. So, I've been more fascinated by that in terms of leveraging it for trauma healing. I'm going to start doing some experiments with neurofeedback pre and post. I'm going to start recording my brain waves and going in and probably do it with a few clients and kind of just see about some energy, maybe meditate in it, see what my alpha waves look like when I meditate before, when I look, when I go inside, there's all kinds of things that I'm fascinated about, about what happens to the brain in terms of getting, recording it. Cause people report it all the time. They get into a Zen yeah. space and this and that, but it becomes because they're forced to go inside themselves and their body. And that's where the magic is. And we're so externally focused all the time. We're becoming so distracted, so not present to what's within us, much less what's right in front of us with our children. So I like it for that. I think that's, I think there's the emotional and, and healing and, and presence and vagal activation that no one's really talking. Men are not talking about that very much. Wim Hof does a little bit because the cold healed him after his wife killed herself, you know, right. so he, when he brought, and again, that's what intrigued me about him too. was like, oh, yeah. now you're talking my language you were doing this. So you didn't kill yourself as well. You were did this. So you didn't lose yourself in grief. That's intriguing to me. He wasn't thinking about inflammation and weight loss. It's because his wife killed herself and he didn't know how to not lose himself. So he went to the cold and the cold changed his breathing. It changed his state and it right. showed him I can do hard things. That's a big part of it too. It's, it's both those things, cold in particular, I think bring <laughs> I can right? do hard things. Yeah. I can do hard things. I did it yesterday. I mean, that was hard. And I, you did it again in the cold, but, you know, because we all have those moments, right? In life, I don't think I can do it. I don't know if I can go on or whatever.
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, at 53, there's a lot of me who just, like with the aggressive male side of this is, I just look at it and I go, I don't wanna. One thing that, you know, that's popping into my head as you're talking is there are days where I will do a cool shower and I think I'm a badass, you know? But I was like, listen, you gotta do it. You gotta beat your brain also you got to be nice to yourself. So maybe today it's a cool shower, you know, like it can fluctuate depending on and like where you're at emotionally. I think that is a brilliant place to leave our interview. This was amazing. I am volunteering to be one of those clients you work with because I'm logging up of here and booking an appointment with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're brilliant and thank you so much for all this just amazing information. Where can people find you? And let's tell people where they can find your recommendations for these products. Because I know that's a link on your Instagram, yeah. Well, you know, God, that
2: might, that might not be as updated as I need it to be. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> so, well,
2: my website is uh, brainandbodysolutions.com. and from there you can see all my social media, Doctor Rimka Instagram, things like that. But then I have a shop on my store, so if you go to brainandbodysolutions.com you can see like about me or how to book an appointment or my retreats or neurofeedback and then a store which I have a lot of my favorites of all kinds of things whether it's antioxidant clothing believe it or not that exists all kinds of tech devices the makeup and skincare I use people ask I'm like I just I live a non-toxic life in every way, shape or form. And I want your children to do it as well. And I think the idea of ruining the endocrine systems of five-year-old girls because of the nail polish you're putting on them is mothers don't know what they're doing, right? So my job is to kind of, oh man, this is causing a problem. I know you don't want your kid to have PCOS. Let me explain to you oh, how you're poisoning them. So every little kinds of thing, food sources peptides, supplements. People say, what molecular hydrogen? It's there. What's CBD? It's there. You want want keto wine? I got it. So yeah, that kind of stuff. So lots of resources for parents there.
1: Great. Well, thank you again for your time. I super appreciate it. You're
0: welcome. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye you guys. Okay. Bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have... Oh, Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. <laughs> you can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me by any of my courses those are really geared towards potty training help and also I'm on Instagram I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter I'm on Instagram jamie.plowacki and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information so those are extra resources for you and as always rock on have an awesome day